UCB Life Issues with Paul Hammond. And as always, a very warm welcome to this week's Life Issues. Now, throughout history, there is a constant. The younger generation are convinced that the older generation, at best, don't understand them, at worst, haven't a clue what's going on. You know the old joke that when I was 16, I thought my dad knew nothing. By the time I was 25, it was amazing how much he'd learned. Yes, or was it that I had changed? Bridging the generation gap to communicate meaningfully with those who follow us on the path has never been easy. And perhaps this has been thrown into stark relief over recent years by social media and digital content. If you are a digital immigrant, or even these days an older digital native, and you think a social media platform is cool... In all likelihood, Gen Alpha are using something else and would probably prefer you didn't use the word cool anyway. It's part of the natural order, the circle of life. And while there are many talented educators and youth workers who are able to connect, for most of us, teenagers are as much a mystery to us as we were to our parents and grandparents. Which is probably okay, because we turned out all right, yeah? Well... Maybe it's not so okay then. So how do we meaningfully connect with a digital generation, protect them, advise them, nurture them, and give them a true experience of and understanding of God? And how do we keep abreast of the changes that perpetually threaten to leave church communities behind? Because if you are trying to stay in touch with your young people on Facebook, they aren't listening. I know. I asked a young person whether that was true. So how do we overcome these barriers? One organisation that understand the need for change are Youth for Christ. I mean, things are very different now from when a young Billy Graham was on the stage for them. So what can we learn from their experience? And what are they doing now that could help us all connect with youth work in a digital age? Bob Goody is Missions and Evangelism Director for Youth for Christ. Youth for Christ's website is yfc.co.uk. Bob joins me on the line. How do we keep up with the younger generation, Bob? Um, I'm so glad you started me with the easiest of uh, <laughs> questions there, Paul. How do we keep up? Oh, that is a massive question. I And... In reality, sometimes we don't need to keep up. Young people are young people, and they are most influenced by their peers. They're influenced by those around them that are in their network, that are in their group, that are like them. And so sometimes we don't always have to push, but it is important that we remain a voice into this digital world. And so as long as we do it well, and as long as we do it with a clear purpose, and with a passion for Jesus, then I think we can influence a generation that are eager to know more. So if we don't need to keep up with them, then is, is there a point at which we can say, well, all right, I'm, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I don't need to pander after all these whims of the latest thing like Insta or whatever. I, I don't think everyone has a specific call that they need to be on Instagram. I'll be honest, I am on Instagram. I do follow uh, and have conversations with young people. I think it is an important place for relationship. 
But actually, some of the best youth workers I know would fail miserably if they tried to access Instagram. And so actually, at the real heart of all this, I would say young people are looking for uh, people to be around them that are for them, that are uh, walking alongside them, that are journeying with them, and not actually trying to be them. Yes. They want people to be themselves, but with them. So that difference of identity then, that's uh, an important element of, well, I suppose in some ways, a rite of passage for young people, whatever generation, as my generation were different to me. Dads and my sons were different to me. My grandchildren are going to be different to their dad when they hit teenage years. There will be some things that are the same, but that sense of, is there almost a sense in which they they stepping away from what the rest of society is and how the how the you know adults identify themselves is that almost an essential part of finding who you are as a young person i would say that the world around us actually imposes quite a bit of culture on us and so there is an expectation that uh, you are gen alpha and so you are immediately put in this box that has you that you need to be this you're a digital native you you go alongside this oh and you've got your baby boomers so therefore baby boomers you must fit into this box and i don't think that is the reality i think they're trying to put, put people into boxes whereas young people are going i, I don't want to be in a box anymore i want to stand up for what i believe is right and what i believe is true i want to forge my own path and my own journey uh, and not have someone else tell me what that journey should look like. I want to be able to create a space that is uh, for me, that is going to support me, encourage me, that I'm going to be nurtured and loved. And I think that is the same across all generations. Uh, my grandma, what, what, what did my grandma want? Well, she wanted someone to love her. She wanted to feel accepted. She wanted mm. to feel like she had a place she could belong. What was it that drew me into church when I was 16? I found a place where I felt loved, accepted, and that I belonged, that I had a purpose and a, a meaning to be there. And for me, that's what young people are still desperate for today. They're looking for that acceptance, that belonging, and to know that they are loved no matter what platform, no matter what situation they find themselves in, that actually they've got adults around them and they've got a God that loves them so much that he's for them and so we're for them. There's a, a very strong implicit respect in what you say there for young people. If we're going to allow, in inverted commas, them to, to do that, to find themselves, to find their own identity, I suppose in some ways if we as the church are going to have a voice that says you don't need to fall into that stereotype, you don't need to be pigeonholed into that box, you can actually discover who you are in God you can discover your personal identity how do we how do we walk alongside them especially within the the context of the digital sphere but I suppose it applies broader as well how do we walk alongside them to 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 convey that message without imposing ourselves on their space then I don't know if it's necessarily that we impose ourselves on their space. 
I think we are creating opportunities to carry on relationships that we would be forming offline. So that's why I think the digital sphere is so strong now, is that it continues a connection, whereas before there would not have been hour by hour, minute by minute, which gives a bit too much accessibility at times. Um, but actually what we are wanting to do is to, um, Andrew Root, a uh, great theologian, uh, actually said, as I was with young people, as I was for them, I didn't change their circumstance, but actually they saw that I was with them and for them and they saw my life outplayed. I'm actually showing them that the way of Jesus through how I live, how I speak, how I act, is actually the thing to follow. It's not me. So therefore, I'm not imposing my life on you. I'm not imposing a set of rules. I'm actually showing you that there is something greater. There is more to life than this. And so I don't think, I wouldn't want us to be in a place where we impose. I want us to be in a place where we have mutual respect, mutual understanding, and that we are doing life together. I might argue that um, for a lot of church groups and a lot of youth groups and a lot of families, the the feeling, the fear that you need to impose rules and boundaries and definitions and direction. And it, it is a very different, you know, there, there is a sense in which for a lot of youngsters, they feel driven rather than given an example to follow. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you'll be able to remember, Paul, but I, I remember quite well when I was a young person. If someone tried to... No, it's far to too long for me now. <laughs> when, when people tried to put rules on me and when things were forced upon me, I would kick back. I remember that feeling incredibly well. And it wasn't until someone just loved me, cared for me and shared Jesus with me that actually things started to make sense. They gave me an opportunity to follow Jesus. They didn't force me to follow Jesus. And actually, the first time someone shared the gospel with me, I responded at 16 years of age. And I went into ministry the very next day because I all of a sudden knew Jesus was who he said he was. And I wanted everyone to know that truth for themselves. And so it wasn't that they were imposing these rules. It wasn't they were telling me this is what you have to do. It was them telling me, actually, this is what would be best for you. And this is what has helped me to live life as in all of its fullness. So I wonder if we can just recap that a little mm -hmm. bit then, because, I mean, I think we have skirted around some of the principles that obviously drive you and frame your understanding of what good youth work is. And that then spills over, whether it's in the the real world, in inverted commas, or whether it's in the digital world, whether mm -hmm. it is face-to-face -face in a physical setting or whether it's in a remote setting. So I wonder if we could just sort of clarify, condense that. How would you bullet point the key elements of good youth work? Good youth work for me starts with Jesus. And so I would say the fundamental has to be that you need to have a heart for Jesus 
that impacts all that you do. Therefore, when it comes to youth work, that means that you're going to be praying for them and interceding for them. It means that you're desperate to share scripture with them because you know that that is the way for them to uh, do life. You know that Jesus has to be the fundamental. And then secondly, you have to have a love for young people. So I would I would say that out of my love for Jesus, my heart for young people is what flows out of that. And so as he loves me, I can't help but love young people and want them to have this life in all its fullness, to, to have this hope, this purpose, this understanding of all that Jesus has done for them. So I would say that has to be the, the bedrock, first and foremost. So when it comes to the application of the digital world and the use of digital, what sort of things are Youth for Christ picking up on at the moment that are taking those principles into the the digital sphere? So we did some research a few years ago, uh, Gen Z, Rethinking Culture and Digital Generation, and more recently we did some called Z2A of Faith and Spirituality. And for us, out of that research, out of talking to young people on the ground day in, day out, it is that young people are uh, are online, that that is the place that they find uh, their meaning. That is a place where they can find authenticity more than anywhere else. And so what we are doing is trying to provide spaces and places online that young people can connect into. So we have a, a YouTube channel called Intro Outro. And through that, we have various means of digital evangelism. So one of those pods is called Underground. So we know that young people, through talking to them, through living uh, alongside them, rap music, uh, gospel music, hip hop is the primary music that is heard across Britain. And so we create this channel where every week we put up a, a Christian artist doing a freestyle rap about life, about how they came to faith. And then the following week, we actually say, it's all right having music, but what's this mean for life? What does this mean? How do we create this relationship a bit further? So we have an interview with that artist because, yes, they'll listen to the track, but then they'll be like, I want to get into the heart of this. I don't just want to be a consumer of stuff. I want to actually get to grips and understand what is the heart behind this. Young people are looking for heart. They're looking for this passion. And so we continually assess and reassess how we engage digitally mm. um, because it's a, it is a priority for us. And, and and it sounds though, I mean, I know we said earlier on, we don't necessarily need to keep up, but it, it does sound as though there's a an element where you're, you're saying you have to, you cannot assume that what was connecting last week will connect next week or even necessarily the day afterwards. You have to be inhabiting that space of where young people are in order to hear the things that they are connecting with. Mm. And that is a priority. So I'm a part of the leadership team at Youth for Christ. And part of my role is to research strategy and, and look how we do youth work across Britain and how we equip others to do youth work so that young people can be changed by Jesus. 
for me, a priority is that I'm a volunteer youth worker in my own time, in my own church, in my own context. Because how on earth am I meant to speak into a, a national yeah, landscape yeah. unless I'm talking to young people? Is and that part of the problem that, that a lot of adults find is that we expect to be able to talk to young people without actually listening to what they're saying? I think that happens a lot. I've been in many a conversation where I, I've overheard what adults have said to young people and young people have answered and they've walked away and gone, I don't think they heard a word I said. I don't <laughs> think they understood a single thing. And we need to have ears to hear, don't we? We need to give them time and space and energy and not just see it as a side note that, oh, we've got a couple of young people in church. Oh, that's good for us. It, it ticks a box. Well, it's not. It's not about ticking boxes. We want young people to come in and be part of our community, be part of the life that we're we're leading that is following Jesus. Where does where does respect for their voice in terms of giving them a platform so they know that voice is heard within the whether it be digital or whether it be physical in the local community, in the local church? I mean, how for my generation, Ishmael beat us over the back of the head and told us we needed to respect the little soldiers, the little troopers, and recognise that they weren't the church tomorrow, they were the church of today. Um, do we need to relearn that lesson, do you think? Very much so, without a doubt. I, I don't believe we give a strong enough voice for young people into what is happening, both locally and nationally. So we at Youth for Christ, we take that seriously. So when we conduct research, when we have new resources, we don't just go, oh, here's a resource that we think might be useful. We go, young people, let's gather, let's try this, let's test it, let's go through this step by step. Is this going to be useful for you? Is it going to help you engage your friends with Jesus? If it's not, let's scrap it, let's put it back on the shelf. Uh, in my own church on Sunday morning, we've got two young people speaking, doing the sermon slot. I wonder how many churches across this country have a young person that leads church. Not, I don't mean gets up to do the actions to the action song because it's a family service or anything like that. I mean, how are we intentionally allowing them space to be who God's called them to be and to release some of our own constraints and control and go, young people, you have just as good a voice as I do. And one of the things we do with uh, a few partners, a few other organizations, is a thing called Amplify, which is a young evangelist training academy. And every meeting that we have as partners, we ask the question, what platform opportunities, what spaces can we give for these young people to share, mm. to come and speak, mm. to come and share testimony, they're in charge of our Instagram because I'm I'm 37. I shouldn't be in charge of a youth Instagram. <laughs> Young people should be in charge of a youth Instagram. And so that's what they do. We give them the power and the authority that they should already have, and we release them to do it. That that's very scary for a lot of churches, though, isn't it? That's very scary for a lot of a lot of ministers. Let's be honest. That's a very scary thought for a lot of parents. But can you imagine if your church gave up control of their social media platforms to young people 
who know what to do on social media platforms. Your church may look very different because young people will go, hold on, maybe there is something. Most churches I know have a Facebook group. Yes. Most young people I know aren't on Facebook. No. So there, there's a there's a good start of a 10. If you want to engage with young people, then maybe your church should have an Insta. But as you said right at the start, Paul, it may mean young people will quickly come off Insta and go on something <laughs> else, but... That's very true. Very true. Uh, you're listening to UCB Life Issues. I'm Paul Hammond. Speaking to Bob Goody this week, Bob is from Youth for Christ, yfc.co.uk is their website. He is the Missions and Evangelism Director. And we're talking about the idea of youth work in the digital age. I suppose one of the things that we have to consider is the natural and perhaps oversensitive anxiety that a lot of adults, a lot of parents, a lot of grandparents, a lot of church leaders have about the dangers of the digital world. And whilst we might have reached the point where we convince ourselves that we are not susceptible to them as much as young people would, a lot of folk would be very concerned about dipping their toe into the digital sphere with their youth group, with their youth because of the the fear of where it will take them. What are the pros and cons of an effective digital mission, engagement, ministry, whatever descriptor you want to put on it? So one of the pros is definitely that young people are online. And so if you want to engage them, then you need to be in that space too. Young people don't thrive off being given a paper leaflet anymore. They're not going to go home and stick it on their wall. Text messages, they don't use text messages. They use WhatsApps. Uh, and so actually having WhatsApp, Insta, places like that where young people are makes it much easier to connect in. And actually, if we're sharing relevant content, if we're sharing events that are good for young people, if it's on Insta, they can quickly go share. Actually, there was some research a load of partners did uh, a couple of months ago called Influencers. And that report showed that young people are happy as Christians to share good content. And so if we're producing good content, they will share it. They are less likely to create their own. They want some assistance. They want help. They want something good to be able to share, whether that be scripture verses or videos or testimonies. And so there is definitely pros because they're desperate for content. They're desperate to engage. They're desperate to share with their friends. But actually, as an older generation and as people with a bit of budget sometimes as well, we can put some money behind digital, whereas a 15-year-old can't afford fancy microphones and cameras. Yeah. But we can as churches often. And so if we invest, if we seriously commit in, I would say young people will follow and young people will share with their friends. So are we, have we moved away then from the necessity of or, or the, the priority of a physical youth group meeting together it was always on a Friday night when I was a teenager. You know, that, that sort of gathering idea that is basically Sunday church but done for young people. Uh, has that been replaced by TikTok? 
No, is a simple answer. Um, young people are on TikTok. They they share content on there, but they don't get the fullness of relationship that comes from sitting in a room with their friends. They're actually still wanting to be in rooms. They're still wanting to gather because relationship online can only go a certain way and can only go a certain depth. Whereas actually getting us in a room where you can see the physicality that we are for them, that we are investing in them and giving them those opportunities as we talked about the platform. What does it mean for a 14 year old to lead the Bible study in a room with 14, 15, 16 year olds? There is something incredibly powerful in that. And so I'd never want to remove the physical aspect but the digital helps enhance. Are you going to get young people today, Bobby? Young people today, all they do is sit on their phones, they sit there with their head down, they've either got a hoodie over their head or their hair's hanging down, looking at their phones, they don't engage, they don't talk, they're, they're, t- they're WhatsApping the person sitting next to them, Bobby. I mean, young people today, you, you can't get them to engage like that, can you? Uh, the, the first response would be, have you actually tried to engage them? There is a presumption that they don't want to be engaged with because they're on their phone. That is far from the truth. They are using that phone because no one is engaging with them in that space. But actually, there's some great digital content. So in our youth work, we use videos that have been put up on YouTube, that are on Insta, that are on TikTok. And sometimes we even say, get out your phones and click this link and we'll put it on our Insta feed or we'll put it in the WhatsApp group that we've got. Making sure, because obviously the cons are the safeguarding, yes. making sure we're all of that element. Um, we always have more than two adults available on the online sphere when we engage through that. Um, but actually, we'll say, get your phones out. Let's do this. Message in. What's your questions? They want to engage, and it's rather than getting the pens and paper out, we're just adapting to what young people are doing now. What about discipleship online, Bob? How is it possible to actually effectively nurture and disciple young believers through a digital sphere? I think it has great potential to help. I would say a completely digital discipleship would be a struggle because I think in discipleship there is a there should be a really strong personal connection as you're trying to help through and journey and written typed prayers are not as well they are as effective god still hears them but actually being able to stand alongside a young person and to physically pray for them i would say has a greater strength because they they see the reality of you being with them online you can digitally disciple using videos there are plenty of youtube videos and sermons and accessibility the lectio 365 app i know lots of young people that use that uh, as a daily prayer and as a daily reading the the bible app there are so many options the U version app there young people have a bombardment of them online but what they actually need is someone to journey with them to be able to do it well. And so, yes, you could do the Bible readings together, chat in a text, chat in WhatsApp, that's fine. 
but actually sitting across from a young person with a cup of coffee and a hot chocolate and just chewing the fat over the what the Bible has to say. What's this really mean for you? Let's dig a bit deeper. You're going to get much more depth and understanding by being with rather than being online. But what about the fact that there are all the these dangers and all these risks? Because what is also true is that Platforms like Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, they have been invaded by porn sites that are looking to, to spread material. They have been invaded by uh, language that you know can easily be described as hate speech. There's bigotry, there's, there's violence, there's, there's all sorts of targeting that is happening by all sorts of groups to try and draw young people into their sphere, whether they be extreme right or whether they be whatever. And, and as a consequence, if we're going to encourage the young people of our church to to get more involved in this by almost giving credence and, and validation to it because we get involved in it, aren't we at risk of, of opening a door to disaster? So, uh, controversial statement, Twitter, I don't know any young person that's on Twitter. All I know on Twitter is quite aggressive adults bickering amongst each other about no point in particular. And so I don't think we model particularly well if young people go on Twitter. I don't think we show that th there can be a space where there is love and acceptance and where that there is hope. So I think... We need to engage young people in that space. We need to have the honest conversations with them that TikTok has a uh, an algorithm in the background that watches what you watch and how long you watch things for and then adapts the videos you see because of the content that you are continually engaging with. And it moves and shifts according to what you engage with. How often do we sit and have a conversation like, what kind of things are you watching? What might it mean to live a holy life on the online sphere and not just in our physical sphere? I know many a youth group that talk around sex before marriage and sexuality and all those uh, things within a physical setting. But online, we just don't say, what does it mean to engage with this? What does it mean to not engage mm. with that? And so we need to be able to speak some reality and truth into there which you can only do if you're engaged with it yourself. I'm not saying engage with the bad stuff. I mean, we engage with the good stuff and show that there is a way to do this. And again, it's that journeying life with them and engaging with them. It, the is, more it is almost as though, I mean, your title is, it has mission in it. Obviously, mm -hmm. outreach, reaching out is a an essential part of that. But it does sound as though you're suggesting that adults, church leaders, youth workers, parents, grandparents, that we actually need to accept that there is a responsibility to step into this sphere to nurture within this sphere as much as we would nurture within the physical sphere. Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I would certainly agree with that. Young people are at church for pretty much half their, their life. They're asleep for a quarter of it. They're online for probably a third of it. Like they, 
they are continually engaging with their and what i'm not saying is that we all need to create content i'm not saying that grandmas and granddads need to start putting up bible verses and all those kind of things what i'm saying is that they to be able to be a good voice into there they can easily share other good content just as young people are sharing good content amongst themselves if a youth worker sees a, a good christian video or a testimony or a story or a a sermon that people can watch and engage with why aren't we sharing it yes sometimes yeah. we just put a quick like on it or a, a thumbs up and think oh yeah the lord must be happy because i've watched it and it's like well he is happy but imagine if your youth group engaged with this video imagine if your teenager saw that you'd liked this video from uh, a famous christian artist and they're like well i think they're good too maybe that's going to spark a conversation around the dinner table Maybe it's going to spark a conversation in church. Like, oh, I didn't know you liked LZ7. Well, I do. I think his lyrics have got some good meaning and depth to them. You don't often hear that from a 50-year-old to a 14-year-old. No, that's right. Those conversations could be transformational. And if you would like to not only like, but also share the Life Issues podcast, then the link is, of course, on the page. I'm talking to Bob Goody. You're listening to UCB Life Issues. Bob is from Youth for Christ, yfc.co.uk, of course, is the website. And we're exploring the idea of mission and outreach and connection with young people around issues of faith, but also issues of life in the online sphere and how we do youth work, good youth work, in a digital age. I suppose one of the questions that we have to consider, Bob, is how we actually make the transition the other way. Because if it is the case that, and I'm not arguing with you, I can see that you're right, that the vast majority of young people, they live online, their life is online, their focus is online, most of the influences that come to them are online. How do we then transition that, especially when it comes to faith, into a physical community where, how do we get them to go to church, Bob? If I had the actual full answer to that one i think churches would be full i only have my thoughts i would say that it comes from our conversation earlier how are we allowing young people to have a voice into what we do on a sunday how often do we let them have a voice into what we do in our youth group settings to be able to speak to be able to uh, lead the prayers to be able to lead the worship to be able to express themselves in the same fullness as we allow the adults to express themselves. And so I would say if we want to transition young people from a digital sphere, most of those we will engage with on a digital sphere will be ones that we're already linked to because of physical sphere. I would say there are very few that will just suddenly engage that you, you aren't aware of or necessarily know or their friends will know. But if we want them to move from there to our physical, we need to be ready for our physical to change. And how much of that change needs to be in place before they arrive? That's a good question. I think it can be very difficult for a church to be 
ready for an influx of young people without potentially alienating those that are already in the church because of history and this is the routine we come to this church we have done for 40 years and so it's about taking your church on a journey to go what does mission look like for our church what does it look like for our church to become as the axe church was intergenerational where we share where we invest in each other and we are all in this together and it can be difficult if you've got no young people already to amend ourselves but actually if we can prepare our hearts prepare the church to be open and amenable before young people get there then that's a good start i would say it'd be lovely for churches to be able to be ready before they get there like what does it mean to have visiting young people the church up the road's got a youth group that's got a dozen in and they often speak in their own church and setting what might it be for a visiting speaker mm -hmm. to be a young person like i've never done that i'll be honest i've never invited a young person from another church to come to mind to do something but how world-changing could it be we often get the visiting speaker that's in the 60s and retired. Oh, a 13-year-old come in to speak on Kings this morning <laughs> from the church up the road. They've not got a dog collar. They've got no intention of getting a, any kind of robes, but they've got a heart for Jesus and have a gift of communication. Let's create some space. The thing is, I've, I've been in church leadership for a good chunk of my adult life. And I just know that as you say that, whilst that, you know, intellectually, there'll be a lot of people going, definitely, I said, yes, that's a good point, Bob. We should think about that. At the same time, the back of their head were all the fears about what if they say this? What if they're not theologically accurate? What if they upset the church? But I suppose there comes a point where we have to not only be willing to take risk, but recognize that actually, one young person speaking once in our church, it's not actually going to upset the apple cart that much, is it? Simon Peter was not a gifted communicator, and they <laughs> let him speak, and thousands came to faith. Yeah, Paul had just been killing Christians. Then all of a sudden stood up and said, anyone want to be a Christian? They didn't stop him. He, the church was born through the pair of them. Like It's, it's an incredible testimony. So yeah, I, I would I would want that space for young people. And you can't you can't guarantee that the adult speaker that you're gonna get isn't gonna come with some heresy. That's happened a lot, but we don't talk about that, do we? No. And the truth is most congregations would be a lot more tolerant of a young person mixing up their theology a bit and a lot less likely to be offended and you know, because it's a youngster and we want to encourage them. There's a, a natural tendency, a natural inclination to do that. I, I spoke at a church not long ago and the, the uh, vicar said to me, basically, like, if we don't think you're any good, you won't come again anyway. Like, that's a, that's an honest statement. Yeah. You don't have, to have that same young person again, just like you're not going to have the same adult. So let's have a little bit of freedom and grace. What if we don't? What if we 
and and let's be honest, the church has previous for this, that as technology has developed and as different platforms, and it's not just the digital platforms that young people are engaging with today. In previous generations, there have been platforms, there have been activities, and the church has been hesitant, loath to engage with them until it seems as though the world and his wife has found them and moved on, and then suddenly we discover them. All right, so there is previous. But what if we don't? What if we don't take this on board? What if we don't pursue the way that the lifestyle and the world of young people has changed? What if we don't grasp that there is no longer a distinction between the digital and the real world, but actually it's just their world? So I won't mention the specifics, but if you look at some recent church surveys about growth and decline, there are some church denominations that in the next 20 years will not exist. And so I think there is a reality that if we don't engage with young people, if we don't engage in the sphere that they're in, that churches will die. Some will thrive. Those that I see that are thriving are those that are engaging with their communities that are engaging with young and old alike and giving priority the same across the board. Yes, you've got a youth worker, but you've also got an older person's worker. I think we have to make sure that our money is where our mouth is as a church, as a movement, because young people are our future. They are our present too. So if we want our church to thrive as God intends for them to thrive, he wants all may know him. Therefore, he doesn't want churches to die. He wants them to thrive. The only way they'll thrive is actually by getting people that are going to be living for a while longer. The truth is that throughout my experience of church, and we are talking the best part of 60 years now, there has always been the debate and the tension between resources given over to youth work and the ignoring or the downplaying of the needs of older members of the congregation. There has always been the need for the church to engage with the next generation because otherwise, how do we survive? There has always been the excuses as to why it hasn't worked or why it's too hard when actually what it needs is the opportunity for people to sit down and listen as well as speak. But in this day and age, where the division between older generation and younger generation, whatever letter we put after that title, is so graphic because of the nature of the digital world, it has such an opportunity to isolate them from our influence because we are not in there, with them. Surely there is even more need for us to be intentional, attentive, and active in conveying this message of hope we have in a way that engages so that they might then see how to not only believe, but also be nurtured, be discipled, to grow and be established. 
Youth for Christ are doing great work on it. And if you want to find some resources to use with your youth group or your family or your children or your grandchildren, then have a look at yfc.co.uk. See what they're doing there that you can take and you can use. And see as well the research and the guidance and the thoughts and the challenges that come out of the work that they do in equipping all of us to do youth work in a digital or non-digital way all the more effectively. Bob Goody is Missions and Evangelism Director for Youth for Christ. Bob, it's been fascinating to explore this with you this week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you as well for your company. I'm Paul Hammond. This is UCB Life Issues. Thank you as well to my producer for this week, Rebecca. Why not join us next week for another Life Issues? Ta-da!